Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Russ brings us a sermon called Praying with Hope. It looks at the practice of prayer and how it allows the tree of life to bear fruit. It comes from Acts chapter 3, verse 1, and Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Ali talked about the many ways of praying, and we're talking about prayer. I don't know who it was who first prayed this prayer, or who first used this quote. I screamed at God for all the starving children, and then I realized that all of the starving children were God screaming at me. I don't know who said that first, but this I know. I believe this person was a person of hope. We're talking about hope, and what does it mean to be a person of hope? And particularly, what's the connection between hope and prayer? When we hope, when we hope, we, we live our lives differently. When we live our lives in accordance to what God has already accomplished, and what God is doing, and what is real because it's God's future, it changes the way we live. It also changes the way we pray. Now when we pray, and we all have that journey, we all start with some of the things that that Ali talked about and that we all know. We all start early on when praying, and our early prayers involve at some point some screaming, don't they? Well before that, they involve begging, and they involve bargaining. Oh God, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. If you'll help me do well on my test, I won't be mean to my sister anymore. You know, those kind of prayers. And of course, as we get older, the the stakes get higher. It's not just a test. Now it has something to do with life and someone who is sick and someone who is dying or something that is serious in our life. And we are still, we're begging, we're we're bargaining with God. We're, We're trying to plead with God. We're trying to get in that old view of prayer that we all have to go through. That idea is that my job is somehow to bring the pain and the suffering of my life in this world to God's attention, somehow with the right words and the right frame of mind and the right heart and the right faith, that somehow if I do that right, I will get God who is way up there and doing things that God does, but God's busy and distracted. And so if I will pray or get other people to help pray with me, we will do something so that God who is up there will somehow notice and then come down here and fix And a lot of prayer and a lot of books on prayer work out of that model. Which inevitably, inevitably leads to screaming. It inevitably leads to, why didn't this happen? This was a righteous cause. There are people who were dying. There are people in a storm. There are people who are dying of of hunger. There are easy fixes to this, and oh God, where were you? And then on the other side of screaming is silence. I can't tell you how many people I have talked to over my life and as a minister who finally get around to, I don't do that anymore. I don't go to church anymore. I don't pray to God anymore. It doesn't do any good. And I will inevitably hear, and you probably have some of those same stories, by the way, of when I prayed with all my might. I believed, I did everything I was supposed to, and it did not come true. 
what's the point? I feel duped. I feel abandoned. Why would I pray? And yet, and yet, even the people who will say that, and there are people who, who tell these horrific stories, and, and, and your heart can't help but break, even as our heart breaks for the times in our life when we have prayed and we've joined together, there is still something, there's this nevertheless in our life. I call it the nevertheless of hope. It, nevertheless, despite all that, there is something that boils up in us and says, that's not right. That shouldn't stand. That sickness needs to be healed. That injustice needs to be corrected. And, and there is something that wells up in us, and it persists. And there is something that when the good thing happens, we cheer. What are we cheering? Are we just cheering a random sort of things that we prefer that outcome to the other? Or, or as we have talked about before, is hope, is hope that invitation from God's future? Is it, that, is it that rumor? Is it that hint that there is in something, in fact, something that is real, that's out there, that is true and real, and we give ourselves to that, and that determines what is good and what is bad and what is wrong and, and what is just. There is something there. What do we do? What do we do when we have given up on prayer and given up on God, and yet there is something inside that says, and we think that's true. When the Bible wants to make an important point, when the Bible wants to make an important point, it uses either stories, lots of stories in the Bible, or symbols. One of the primary symbols that represents what God is doing and has done and is going to do is this symbol, this tree of life. It is the, the symbol that we began with in the book of Revelation. It is one of those symbols that says it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this at the end of the day. At the end of everything, there is this tree, this tree of life that sits in the middle. And all the nations gather. And there is healing in its leaves. And there is fruit for every season. It is this picture of abundance. It is this picture and this place of reconciliation. It is this place of great peace. The tree of life is this symbol of the hope that we have. This is what stirs us. And for all the, the things that symbols do, it, this does us. It, this rings our bell. This, this nudges us. This will not let us go. When Jesus talks about that kind of a thing, he uses stories around the kingdom of God. Lots of stories around the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God's like this, and it's like that. It's where the lost are found. It's where there is a great celebration around the table. Things are made right. It's the same thing. It is holding something out there and saying, this is what has been accomplished by the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ. This is the future. This is, at the end of the day, what is real, and everything else that doesn't line up with this doesn't last. Give yourself to this, no matter what you're doing, no matter what is going wrong, and that does something to us. That's why Jesus is able to say, listen, of all the things you could pray for, and of all the things that you give your life to, give it first to this, to the kingdom of God. Desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness and all these things will be given to you. 
because behind every prayer and everything that we want to make to, to make our life in this world right, behind that is this. And it is this magnet. It is this thing that draws us. It is the common direction. And it does something to us. When we pray, as we do with the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Becomes the prayer in whatever fashion and form that we pray it, something happens. I've told you before, uh, one of the, the people who's been very influential in my life, and it was a, a guy who wrote the book, The Theology of Hope. And when he said this, it, it just rang bells for me. He says, those, those who hope in Christ can no longer put up with reality as it is. But they begin to suffer under it, to contradict it. Peace with God means conflict with the world. It means that there are things that are out of sync and out of line, and we can look at something and go, that is not right. And we begin to give ourselves to it. And we begin to find not only the solace and, and the comfort in the midst of suffering, we, become, we begin to sense the divine protest in the midst of it because of it. And go, I'm going to give myself to that because I believe that is real. That's what happens with people of hope. And that's the connection with prayer. There is something, there is something of hope that's kind of like a, like a homing device. Or when we watch the birds migrating this time of year. And somehow they have this intuitive sense that they belong somewhere else. And they go through, it's not an escape, they have to go through all kinds of things. And the wind shift or something happens, they can get off course. But there is something that is built into them. There is something built in and go, no... There's something that's not right here. I, I belong there. That's the direction. You and I would talk about it as a compass. And we would talk about it as the true north. It is something that guides us. It is something that pulls us. We believe there really is a true north. We believe that there really is something there. And we let that begin to shape us. And inform us. We begin to hear the screaming and the heartbreak differently. What if, what if, in fact, God isn't the one who needs to be awakened, but we are? What if God isn't the one who's distracted and busy? We are. What if the one who needs to be engaged and, and give themselves to something isn't a God who's way up there, but a God who's already in here and in the suffering and trying to get our attention. People of hope, people of hope have a way of putting the kingdom of God, the reign of God, letting the tree of life become the guiding principle for everything they do and begin to believe that is it possible that not only are we seeking the kingdom of God, but maybe that, that irritation, maybe that discontent, maybe that rage, maybe that pain is the kingdom of God seeking us. And if that's the case, 
And we would do well to meditate on what is the kingdom of God. We would do well to listen to the, the agony and the, and the suffering of our own hearts. What if, in fact, that was God trying to get our attention? I'm going to hold that question up for these next few moments with a song that Randy and Leanne put together. It's a simple song. You've heard it. You know it. And you let, let that be the occasion for wondering in your own soul, where have you heard this agony, this heartbreak of God, this nudging, this hint, these rumors? Where, even today, is the kingdom of God seeking If it's true that the nudges and the, the heartbreak and the joy and the inspiration that we experience is one of the ways that God gets our attention. If, in fact, one of the great works of prayer is the alignment of our soul with the kingdom of God, how do, you, how do we know which ones? How do we know that what we are feeling inside at any given moment is really an invitation from God and not just a delusion of ourselves? That happens, right? 
how do we know which door we're supposed to be knocking on and which one leads to nowhere? Well, I have an answer, but you're not going to like it. In fact, I think most of the kids are out of here. Good, because this is one of those words that's kind of a dirty word. At least in churches. It takes, we'll just call it the P word. It takes that. And every time I talk about that, I know and I get, I get feedback from people. I don't like that word. Because it's too constricting, and I don't come to church to be constricted. I grew up with all kinds of rules, and I don't like that anymore. Or it feels artificial. Don't tell me I have to, because, because then, then it's not natural, and I don't want that for my faith. I don't like that word. Actually, it's probably pretty, it'd be better, I think, if the kids were in the room because this is not new to them. We use that word with them all the time, don't we? You want to learn how to ride a bike? Guess what it's going to take? Yep, it's going to take practice. It's not a dirty word there. Then it's just life there. We, we help people if they want to ride a bike. If you want the freedom of being able to get around on a bike, it's going to take some work. You're going to have to fall. Someone's going to have to run alongside of you for a while. We might even put training wheels on this thing for a while because we recognize in order to get to where you want to go, it's going to take some practice. It's going to require learning some habits. We know that. We know that when we listen to a quartet, they didn't just get up this morning for the first time, grab an instrument, and play. There is a lot of practice that goes into learning how to play so that their instrument is attuned to one another, to the music itself, and aligned with one another so that what comes out is something beautiful. We know that. We don't have any problems with that. So why is it so strange to imagine that when we want to align our lives, when we want to attune ourselves to what God is doing in this world, it too might take a little practice. <laughs> the story, the passage that I wanted to go to today, and I was going to bring it in earlier, but it's one of those passages that's kind of hidden, and there's just one verse. It's, it, it's Acts chapter 3, and there is something of this wonderful story of Peter and John, and they go, and there's this amazing healing that goes on, and, and the fact that they have nothing to offer other than their sense of being grounded in what God is trying to do and being able to be a vehicle for that, and, and just the effect that it has in the community. That's the story I was told. I don't know how many years it took me to read verse 1 and to notice it. That on the way to doing a miracle, that on the way to being in the place where miracles could happen, it says one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They were engaged in the habit and the practice of prayer. This is on the other side of Acts chapter 2 and, and the Holy Spirit filling upon and, and, and quite apart from themselves, speaking other languages and understanding other languages. This is apart from all of that. This is after three years of walking around with Jesus and they still feel like, you know, we need to go 
to the two times of prayer, the morning prayer and the afternoon prayer, and they're on their way. They are practicing the habit of prayer. They weren't alone. One of the things that you might enjoy doing sometime if you read the book these were people of the way, or I've heard about the way. Before they were called Christians, the early followers of Jesus were called people of the way, because there was a way they were living. There were certain practices they were doing. There were habits that they had built. And in fact, I believe it's because they were following and giving themselves to that thing called practice and habits that they were able to shape their lives so that people began to call them little Christs. That's what Christians means. There's a direct connection. There's a direct connection with life. We know this everywhere else. James Clear made a lot of money on a book called The Power of Habit when he says the trajectory of your life bends in the direction of your habits. Which way is your life bending right now and how much of it does have it have to do with the habits you have or don't have? Is there anything in your life that is important and significant and, and noteworthy that didn't require and involve significant amount of practice? Is there anything that you can imagine that you need to get to that would be important that won't? We have been talking about the practices and the habits of hope. That's why we have this pendant that, 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 that you have, and maybe some of you picked it up, and if you haven't, you can pick it up uh, on your way out there. They're in a basket over there. It's this tree of life. It's a reminder. You can use it as a bookmark. You can put it on your keys. That's where I have it. It's a reminder of this is, the, this is my true north, and this is the thing that I building the strength. And I invite you, if you haven't already, pick one up. It's a good reminder. It is part of the questions. I said there's four important questions. Last week I said, here's a question. With whom do you gather that nurtures your soul? Here's the question for this week. What is the practice, what is your practice of prayer? This isn't me adding more things to your life and this isn't a bunch of shoulds. This is about a way of aligning your life with what is real. What is the practice of prayer that works for you? That helps you connect with and align with what God is doing? It may be training wheels kind of things. Or maybe you, you are using written prayers. Some people find that very helpful. Uh, there's times in my life I find written prayers helpful. Uh, there's devotionals. In fact, in, if you walk out, uh, we have a devotional that we offer all the time that's out in the front. And you can get it online or you can get a magical going on every day. Some I use it. I use the online version of it. Maybe online to our homepage. And for the next step of this week, I have the link to where I just talk about, hey, here's five devotionals that I find have been useful. Maybe you'll find one. Whichever way it is, it is a part of even what we're doing here. Worship itself is embodied prayer. It is here where we give ourselves with thanksgiving and with song. We don't do much dancing here, but we do a lot of other kinds of praying where we, we with, with confession and commitment, and everything we do is an embodiment 
of prayer. And so we invite people to take worship plus one. Besides worship, what's one other way that you're going to connect with prayer? I will be the first to tell you, I don't like practice. It took me a long time to come to this in ministry and to be able to just to say, hey, this is really important because I don't like it. But then I realized there's something else I like even less. I like even less missing the appointments of my life. I like even less missing the work. I like even less not noticing the movement of the Spirit of God, of not being involved with the, the purpose. And on my best days, I like that even less than I like practice and the more I practice the more I have those kind of days so I would commend this to you that as we practice prayer as we practice listening something begins to happen or in the words of maybe the most famous person of hope of the 20th century Mother Teresa when when she said I used to pray that God would feed the hungry or do this or that. Now I pray God to guide me to do whatever I'm supposed to do, what I can do. That's a different prayer, isn't it? I used to believe that prayer changes things. But now I know. Now I know that prayer changes us. And we change things. Those things that are in front of us that are individual acts of mercy, caring, feeding. Or when we take care of the work of justice, race and racism, oppression, hunger. We miss the mark if we think that it's somehow it's us trying to get God's attention about all those things. We miss it when we, and something changes when we begin to notice that All of that is God trying to get our attention and looking for us to join in. May we this week be people of hope. May we, as we engage with the uh, prayer, begin to hear differently. May we begin to hear the heartache of God, the joy of God, the invitation of God. May we give ourselves, may we give ourselves to the kingdom of God, to the aim towards the tree of life that becomes our homing device. And in so doing, more and more, may we become people of hope. And would you join me in prayer? Help us to notice this day, O oh God, where it is you have been nudging us. What are the heartbreaks that are within us? What are the things that quicken our heart rate and bring joy and inspiration? What are the things that are nudging us to give of ourselves and to give ourselves away? Oh God, this day we recognize that you are the one who's seeking us. You're the one who's trying to get our attention. We are the ones who are distracted. We 
we would hear differently. We would act differently. To let our lives be aligned. So that your will is done. On earth. Even as it's in heaven. And that more and more the way, the way that we live our life. would be a reflection of your son, the source of hope, in whose name we pray. Amen. One of the common questions at the end of any worship service is to what had your name on it today? What piece of music, what moment, what thought, what scripture, what, what prayer, what, what was it today that maybe nudged you, grabbed you, tweaked you, and said, hey, pay attention. I hope you'll pay attention. I hope you'll understand that that quite possibly could be what the work of God is doing in your life today, and it's looking for a response. Hope is the invitation from the future of God, and our life is an RSVP. How will we RSVP? We have some resources called The Next Step. If you want to go online today uh, and, and look on that, uh, it'll click and there'll be some resources. There'll be resources about uh, the, the pendants and, uh, and some other steps, including around prayer and devotional that I mentioned. Maybe it's something else completely different. Whatever it is, I hope you'll pay attention to it. And you'll know it's in the right direction if it has something to do with love. The charge that's always before us, the charge that we should be able, better able to, to step into because we've come to worship is to go and love God with everything we've got. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. To go and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And as we do, then we get to receive the benediction. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In believing, may you abound with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. go in peace. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.